So we're in our second week of our series called Happyology. And the idea is, the scripture says that God came to give us life and to give it to us better. You know, God's design for our lives is for us to be happy and to be blessed. And um, we'll unpack over the next couple weeks what it is to have the joy of the Lord and what it is to be happy and um, kind of how those are separate. And the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we as Christians draw our strength from being joyful, from being happy people. And um, I think if you've seen any of the news, you see that there can be a lot of negativity that surrounds church at times or surrounds our beliefs or how we go about things. And we'll actually talk about that in a little bit. But our strength comes from being joyful people or being somebody, um, and again, we'll talk about the difference between being joyful and being happy as we get into the next couple of weeks, but God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be uh, a people uh, that live victoriously and, and, and have a blessed life, and the problem is um, there's always two ditches on each side. There's always a church or, or there's some people that get way over here and they say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, then the disciple, they sold all that they had and they were poor and they did it. And, and so it's like, oh, you can't live a blessed life. You have to be this. But then you get people way over here in the ditches that are sending emails and they're trying to raise money for their $65 million planes. And uh, they're way over in this blessed life ditch. And um, it's interesting because God does want you blessed. But there also is a, a certain... Um, if all we're chasing is the blessing and not the blesser, then we've missed it by a mile, amen? You hear us talk about it all the time, you know? It's not about seeking the hand of God and what he can give you, it's about seeking the face of God and who he is in our life. And so for the rest of this month, we're gonna um, finish talking about happyology and the theology of happiness and, and the joy of the Lord. And so the first week when we opened up, we talked about that I believe there is no start to happiness or living the life that God called you to do uh, without being in relationship with God. I think you'll always have that void in that hole in your heart uh, or in your life without God or without Christ in your life or being a Christ follower. And so we talked about the number one thing that has to be in order is a relationship with God. True happiness and a meaningful life comes uh, with a relationship with God and being in relationship with God. And so this week I want to talk about the four relationships that we see in Scripture or the, uh, yeah, the four relationships that we see in Scripture pertaining to our relationship with God. And so God calls us four different things, uh, more than that, but we're going to look at four things that he calls us describing our relationship with God. And uh, before we jump into that, I read an article when I was preparing for this sermon. It came from an assistant professor named Gregory Walton. He's from Stanford. And he said, these three themes are what give us, when these three themes are in place in terms of recovery or putting somebody who's been in depressed or, or needs counseling, getting somebody from here to where they need to be in life. It said, these three themes have to happen in terms of success. This person, in order to pursue happiness or to get out of the place that they're in, these three things have to be accomplished in their process. Number one, they need to know that they're not alone. Number two, they need to know that they belong. And number three, they need to know that it is going to get better. And if you look at the scripture, if you look at the story of uh, creation and then Jesus redeeming us in the cross and all of this, you could look at it and you could say that heaven was saying to us, you're not alone and you belong and it's going to get better. Amen. And so God's whole design towards us and, and it, it falls into this. 
to be a blessed person or to be a happy person or to be somebody who lives successful in God, uh, you got to look at these, these thoughts exist. Wall Street Journal actually just this week reported that research suggests that personal happiness comes not from high achievement, but from strong relationships. And so you look through celebrities and you look through all these things and you see people that have all this great success, but they're depressed or they feel alone and they have, and we could go on and on about uh, people who um, have all of these accolades and achievements, but yet they're still alone or they still, because maybe they, they didn't have relationships. And so um, I believe it's the same thing in church. You could say it like this. You can go to church and you can participate in the things of church, but not ever enter into relationship with God or this understanding of who God is and all those accolades don't do what you look for them to do in your heart. Who agree? Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're just kind of going through the motions or the tradition of it, but, but God wants relationship with us, amen? And so when you look at relationships as a part of happiness or being um, blessed the way God has called us to, the truth is we all, and I'm gonna unpack this for a little bit and then we'll kind of go fast, but we all, whether you choose to or not, have to participate in relationships. Whether you choose to or not, you have to participate in relationships. Some of you have coworkers. Most of us have coworkers. Parents, we have friends. Some of you have classmates. Some of you have a husband or a wife. And the truth about relationships is this. Some relationships in your life, and I want you to catch this because I want you to think about it as we go forward. Some of your relationships are either a wall relationship or they're a gate relationship. And that's how God designed relationships to work in our life. When we planted this church, the group that we went with, the Association of Related Churches, they told us that your network is your net worth, meaning the value of your relationships is everything, you know, your partnerships and your connections. And the scripture talks about how the yoke, how we, how we uh, yoke up with other people is important. Don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because your relationships are important. Why? Because relationships can be walls and they can be gates. And what that means is this, sometimes walls protect you from things. And so you say, I'm not really tracking with you. Uh, as a dad to my daughter, Often I'm going to be a wall, uh, like especially when it comes to boys and anything. She watches Tangled a lot. She's really into the princess thing. And um, there's the scene in the movie where she says, like, you're never leaving this tower ever. And Caroline hears that from me already almost every day. <laughs> like, uh, so she's really into her backpack. And, uh, and she says, she, she's got this backpack and she says, I'm going to school. And I, oh, no, you're not. You're never leaving this tower ever. And... Uh, but there's going to be times in my life that I'm a wall, that I, that I protect from things that come. But then there's also times as a dad that I'm going to be a gate, and I'm going to open the gate, and I'm going to say, hey, go this way. This is what's right for you, and this is what. And it's the same thing in our lives. A lot of times we choose relationships just based on whoever comes, whoever is around. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds whatever. But we need to pay attention to the fact that in our lives, there's going to be wall relationships and gate relationships. And a gate and a wall can be a positive and a negative. There's going to be pe people that block you from things that you actually are supposed to be walking through. There's going to be people that close gates on you that you're actually supposed to be walking through. And so you have to live aware to, hey, are these people in my life, are they wall people? Are they gate people? How is this relationship working for me? And um, that's why church is important. Uh, people say, well, you know, watch church online or I can do it at home or I have my own study or whatever. Um, that's, 
not a healthy thing because it's important for us to come together and be in relationship with people um, that can be a wall in our life and say, hey, I don't think that's a good way for you to go. Or, hey, I think this is a, amen? So walls and gates, relationships are important in our life. We also, not only do we enter into relationships, coworkers, husband, wife, we also become different roles. Uh, We also become different relationships to different people. Uh, Right now, I'm acting as a pastor. And so my role right now is I'm acting as a pastor. But later, uh, I'll act as a dad, and I'll act as a husband. And uh, it's important for us to understand that there's privileges and there's uh, qualities that go with each of those different things that we have to be conscious of. I'll be a brother to some. I'll be a son to some. I'll be, to some people, just that guy. <laughs> oh, that guy who, uh, that you just tolerate for like a half an hour on Sunday morning. Oh, that guy again. <laughs> you know, like, I'm here for the coffee, but that guy's up there again. But, uh, but we're all these different things, and your roles or how you operate is, and I want you to catch this, your roles and what you walk in and what you're designed is designed by God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're made with a purpose and you have something to offer every day to people's lives. And a lot of times we think, oh, if you know, I was the pastor or the worship leader, if I was this, every role that you play throughout the day, you're empowered to play that role because God made you to be in that role, amen? And so be thinking of that and uh, different roles have different privileges. And so there's four things that I want to point out to you uh, when it comes to our relationship with God. And I want you to write these down. The first role, because we should be good note takers, take the notes and then all throughout the week, you study through it, let God speak to you more um, because I'm not the only way that God speaks. Amen. Actually, I think it's better if you get it on your own, right? (laughs) And uh, so number one, a seeker. Number one is a seeker relationship. And so we start maybe in our walk with God or we're outside of the things of God, let's say, and that person is a seeker. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so one role that we can play is a person who's just a seeker. You're, you don't have information. You don't have much knowledge of it. You don't have much experience of the things of God. You don't have all of the understanding. Maybe you haven't even come to Christ. Maybe you've never been discipled. Maybe you don't know anything. You're somebody who's just seeking out to kind of see what it's about. And the good thing about this scripture and the promise that I like is it says, if you seek with all your heart or with an honest heart or a pure heart towards God, you'll find him. I love that God created us not robots. He created us somebody who can have a relationship with him. He said, you seek me and you can find me. It's put, when you seek with your whole heart and you desire to find me, you can find me. And so the good thing about a seeker is God wasn't up just this angry God throwing lightning bolts, making us all robots that he could control. He made us somebody who can enter, who can choose to enter in to a loving relationship with him. And some of us haven't found Christ yet, and so we're that seeker. And here's the thing about this that I want to point out that I really want to make a statement on, is some of us haven't found Christ yet, and I want you to write this down. It's important for us to understand with seekers who haven't found Christ yet or who aren't living the way that God designed them to be, What we need to know is that people aren't drawn to Christ through humiliation and embarrassment. People aren't drawn to Christ through humiliation and embarrassment. That's why we don't pick up picket signs. Somebody say amen. 
That's why we don't put hateful things on, on boards and stand on corners and, and use very vulgar language to describe what we believe. Because people aren't drawn to Christ through humiliation and embarrassment. Okay, we'll move on. We'll keep going. <laughs> listen, listen. We all know what's going on locally. If you haven't heard, you know, there's picket, there's things going on and people picketing and, and uh, there's a group who stood on a corner a couple of weeks ago and there's actually a group picketing that group, which I just found out is actually the same group picketing themselves from the week before. But anyway, <laughs> um, here's the deal. God, listen, we could all have our sins put on a picket sign and stood on a corner. Let us not forget where we came from. Somebody say amen. Just because a sin is different than our sin, we all know that saying of, you know, just because someone sins differently than you do, we could all fill a street corner with our sins. Somebody say amen. But we don't go out there and act vulgar and hateful and put up really nasty images that we're going to have to explain to our kids. Why? Because God called us to love. The greatest commandment is to do what? Love. And Christians... People won't be drawn to Christ through humiliation and embarrassment. They'll be drawn by our love. The scripture says we'll be known by our love. God doesn't hate gay people. God hates sin. Somebody say amen. We're clear on that, right? Okay. And so as a church and as a community of believers, we're going to be somebody that says, hey, we love people right where they're at. And they're always welcome here. Somebody say amen no matter what our sin is or how, how we may be off base. But you're welcome here. Why? Because it's sin that we hate, but it's people that we love. Amen? And, and that's God's stance. In 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. The idea is what? The reason I can love you no matter where you're at, whether I agree, disagree, whatever, the reason I can love you is because God loved me first. When I deserve to be on a picket sign, God loved me. So what am I going to do in turn? I'm going to love you because we all deserve to be on a thing. And a, all right. Amen. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. Verse 21. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. When you stand and you say things like hate and you put images that are very disturbing and, very, and, you, and you, do, you don't have the love of God. And, and anybody who disagrees with me, that's okay. You know, you can do your thing and we'll do our thing. But the scripture, I'm all about truth and I'm all about standing on God's principles. But you might as well just smoke them if you don't have love. Do we agree? Okay. And so we're going to be a people that we can identify with a seeker. Hey, I understand that you don't. And so I love you and I'm coming of a place of love and I'm going to stand with you and love you and come alongside you because God did that to me first. Amen. And so the first is a seeker. The second is a servant. God describes servant relationships in the kingdom of God. Scripture talks about, you guys all know the story, the rich young ruler. He was rich and he was young, meaning he had a lot ahead of him. He had a lot of life ahead of him. And the scripture says he's rich young ruler. He's got all this put together and he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what must I do? Uh, I've kept all the commands. I got all these things in order. What must I do? And the scripture says that he says, hey, go sell everything and come be a servant. 
And the rich young ruler couldn't do that. And then another scripture talks about how Jesus calls somebody to be a follower, come serve with him. And he says, hold on. He says, uh, my dad has passed away. I need to bury my father. And Jesus actually says back really abruptly, he says, let the dead bury the dead. Come be a servant. And so you're going, what, what, what is this all about? And Mark chapter 10, verse 43 describes it. Mark 10, 43, it says, but whoever among you desires to become great, let him become a servant. Verse 44, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. Verse 45, for even the son of man, speaking of Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Serving is the greatest is what the scripture said. So you want to talk about a relationship. One of the, one of the, we did seeker in the second, one of our relationships in our relationship with God is to be a servant. Do you want to find happiness? Do you want to live the life you've called to live? Do you want to live the blessed life? Then in that you should be operating in the role of somebody who serves. Why? Because God said it's the greatest. It's the best thing you can do. He was so serious about it that he literally said to somebody, let the dead bury the dead. The best thing you can do is be serving. He said to the rich young ruler who had everything all put together, he said, get rid of all that because it's not more important than being somebody who serves. Well, I've done good. Look, I'm a really good steward over here and I have white picket fence and my house is all put together and the kids act right and they go to the right school and we live in the right neighborhood. We have all this put together. Yeah, but it's better to be somebody who serves. That stuff's all okay. That stuff's all fine. But, but it's not the most important thing you can do. The most important thing you can do is like the scripture says, the son of man came to lay down his life for what? Others. It's good that you have all that kind of stuff, but it's more important that we use what we have to serve others. Somebody say amen. I know that one's going to be your favorite, serving. <laughs> uh, serving is the greatest, is what God said. Being somebody who serves. I'm not talking about just serving in church. I'm not talking about being somebody who volunteers and this sort of I'm talking about somebody who lives a life of how can I help you? Pastor Tommy talked about it last week. How can I get down and make you better? How can I push you up into a better place? Being somebody who serves. That's greatness. He who is too big to do little things is too little to ever do big things. That's probably a good place to say amen, I would say. It's like, <laughs> there's this story that takes it even another step further. The story of uh, Martha and Mary, and Jesus is teaching, and he's with some mother, and they're having this conversation, and uh, Mary's there with Jesus, and Martha says that she's in the house, and so Martha's in there cooking, cleaning, doing the laundry, like a good woman, <laughs> and uh, just kidding, obviously, like, I really was trying to, I was like erasing that joke all week, I can't do that. In youth group, I could do it here, not so much, I'm obviously kidding but now I'm doing a lot of laundry this week, right? <laughs> so here's the story. I, I don't want you to be mad at me and miss this whole point. So, um, so, so uh, Mary, the scripture says, has chosen to go sit at the feet of Jesus and she's listening to his teachings and she's, she's entering into this relationship. She's drawing from Jesus. And Martha's over here, hey, she should be with me. I'm doing all these things. I, I'm preparing the meal and I'm cleaning. I'm putting all these things in order. She was operating in her servant role. She was operating in her servant role. But Jesus responds to her. So she says, Jesus, hey, I'm over here and I'm serving and I'm doing all this. And then Jesus' response to her was, 
hey, Mary has chosen a good thing to pursue relationship with God or pursue a level beyond serving, entering into relationship. Because if all we do is say, oh, I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve, then all we end up doing is just becoming the slave to Christianity or the slave to the ministry or the slave, and we never enter into relationship. And so Mary took it from serving is important, and we get that, and that's the greatest, but into relationship with God, having encounters with God and time with God and, and pursuing God in, in a relationship, not just what we sort of leave on Sunday. So the third one is a friendship with God. A relationship that we have is a friendship with God. John fifteen fifteen, it says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Here's the thing. Friends in our lives, they get extra privileges. You know, somebody you bump into in the grocery store that you don't know is kind of a seeker, kind of an outsider, kind of somebody you don't have a thing. Uh, servants, you know, you, you don't go in the car wash line, somebody who's washing the car. Hey, I want to talk to you about my person. Here's what's up in my marriage. <laughs> you know, like, it'd be weird. Why? Because they're not your friend. They're not, they, they, there's no privilege there of like intelligent conversation, but friends, you do, you pick up the phone and you go, Hey, this is on my heart. I got to tell you about this. I have to let you in on this thing. I got to have this conversation and this experience back at, we are experiencing each other. Why? Because friends have those privileges of, of sharing in the heavy things. And so you should be able to look at God as that in your life too. He said, no longer do I call you servants, but a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. And he said, for all the things that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. What did he do? He let you in to his world. He, he had this friendship privilege with you. Hey, all of these things I've made known to you. Why? Because God does want to be in relationship with us. The difference with servants is, like I said, servants, when you're serving, you know, let's say you're serving in a whatever, you know, you're, you're a servant. Obviously, we don't have a lot of that. But, you know, they don't sit down and shoot the breeze with the master, if you will. They don't sit down and, yeah, you know, this and that. It's, it's kept in its role. But he was saying, no longer do I want you to just be stuck in this role. I want to enter into relationship with you. I want to be somebody who experiences you. I thought about it like this. Uh, you, they always tell us this, you are a product of the people you've been accepted by. So a lot of times the clothes we wear, the music we listen to, all that stuff, we always tell teenagers, you're just a product of, of who's accepted you and who you're a friendship of. And, and so they always say birds of a feather flock together and all that kind of stuff. And so if we enter into a relationship with God, we're, we're in this friendship with God, then what that means is the benefits or the same things of God should be operating in our life meaning we can operate in healing. We can operate in God's wisdom. We can operate in the things that God provided on the cross for us. Amen. And because why? Because, you know, we're in relationship. We're running in the same thing and God promised us those things. And so friendship is a tough one for us to tackle. Friendship is just a hard concept for us to get. We understand come to church and serve and we understand, you know, come to a place and sort of do what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but friendship is interesting with God because obviously he doesn't just show up in our living room and have dinner and like, hey, there's God. He's, did you notice God's on the calendar for Thursday? He's coming and we're going to hang out for a little bit. But if you make time, if you make time, and I know that sounds so simple, but if you make time with this mindset of I'm going to experience God today, 
whether you put on some worship music or you read through a devotional or whatever, I promise you, you will feel a friendship of God. Amen? Anyone experience that? You just, man, I, you know, I was reading this thing, and I just feel like God really spoke to me, or he showed me something, or he encouraged me. Or, and that's why I like our Bible studies, and that's why all that stuff is important. Why? Because it's us going, hey, we, we want to pursue or get closer to God. We want to get closer to God. Um, there's this saying that's going around church that I absolutely can't stand, not, not our church. Actually, I looked back at when we launched. Um, we used some of this language in our prayer thing. But a lot of churches are saying this, hey, come to Vertical Church, uh, all of you that are far from Christ, come to this church. And I just, I hate the language that starts to put God or Jesus far from us. And we have to do all of these things to get Jesus or to get God back. Or to, and I understand that sin separates us and blah, 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 blah. But the blood of Jesus covers that. And if we confess our sins and come boldly to the throne of grace, he'll forgive us of our sins and we can continue in that relationship. Amen. We're not far from Christ. We're not far from Christ. Somebody say amen. We're not. He's there waiting uh, for, for us to be near him and with him. And so my encouragement to you this week of, of all the, and I'll get to the last point here in a minute, of all the points, pursue God this week. Make friendship time. I know that sounds weird, but make friendship time with God. Like, hey, I'm going to carve it out. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, this much time, I'm going to go through some music or a devotion or a teaching or whatever, but do it not in a task or this is my chore. Do it in the like, hey, I'm going to be spending some time with God. And you'll be amazed at the friendship that you're going to start to, to have with God. And like the scripture said, he's going to make known to you the things of God, just right here. All the things that I've known, I've made known to you and uh, it'll bless you. Amen. Lauren, you can come play. I'll close with this, my last point. Point number four, you can write this down, is we, our fourth relationship with God is we are the children of God or a child of God. And this is the best one. We are the children or the child of God. These relationships are important for us to understand about our relationship with God because this is how we live the blessed life or we find happiness, which eventually you're going to see we're not pursuing happiness because happiness can be an emotion or something that just comes at us. We're pursuing the joy of the Lord, which is, um, and I'm not going to get into my sermon, but a mindset. It's something we pursue, the joy of the Lord in our lives, the blessed life, the fullness of God in our lives uh, is what we're going after. And these relationships, these understandings, they're the walls and the gates in our life. Um, and so this concept I really want you to get because I think this is the hardest to wrap our mind around. Number four, again, we're the child or the children of God. Galatians 3.26. It's mentioned oftentimes in scripture, but I pulled this one. It says, so since Jesus Christ, so in Jesus Christ, you are all the children of God through faith. So in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are all the children of God through faith. Here's the deal. My friends only have so much access to my life. My friends, so we talked about friendship. Friends only have so much access to your life. My friends I may hang out with until 1 a.m., whatever, we may hang out, but my child stays with me. The, 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 the child relationship is even deeper 
than a friendship. So Jesus was saying, I want to be your friend. I want to be in community. I want to be in relationship. I want to, I want to. But even more than that, I want to stay where you are. I want you to understand that you have the right to abide in me and where I am and stay where I am. So my child, Caroline, stays at my house. She stays there. She's like, hey, we're done with the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. You need to beat it, Caroline. We'll just find something to do, <laughs> right? No, she stays. A friend is your friend, is your buddy, a close, close relationship, somebody you connect with. But Caroline is a part of me. God wants to be your friend and he wants to be in relationship and communication with you, but he wants you to understand you're a part of him. You're a part of God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a part of God. The one thing about Caroline is I don't have to conjure up an event to get her to want to be with me, right? I don't have to put together the perfect music set and get all the lights right and the right graphic and put everything in the right place to entertain her. She woke me up with a squirt bottle Saturday. So I'm like in my gym shorts and she sprayed me with a spray bottle and uh, I, was not, I was not put together. But I rolled out it and I tackled her and I started spraying her and I said, and right away, right off the, I didn't have to put everything together. She wanted to be with me. Why? Because she's my kid. She's my child. I love her. We're together. She's mine. And, and Jess says, <laughs> um, we, yeah, anyway, okay, I'll bunny trail. But here's the thing. Our sometimes relationship with God, both ways. Well, for us to sing, God, we honor you forever. We honor you. We honor you forever. Forever we honor you. Sometimes we wait for the music to get just right and the event to be perfect and the lights and everything to come together. Then we can sing forever. I honor you. No, he's our father. We're his children. We should be able to just express off the bat, you're mine, I'm yours. You're my God. There's power in that understanding of relationship. Amen? The best thing in the world, I think about having a kid. Well, obviously a ton of things. But it's the understanding that, well, one, she's ours, she's mine. That's, I can look back in the back seat. She's sitting there doing her thing in the car. It's like, hey, she's mine. And she's mine and she's amazing and she's mine. But also that I get her fully. I understand her. I know what her tired face is. I know what her frustrated face is. I know what her sad face is. I know what all of that is. Why? Because she's mine. And so hopefully you have kids and you understand this. But for me, I love that as the parent, I can go, oh, there's a sad face happening. Let me fix that. Oh, there's a frustrated, there's a hungry face. She's like her mom. She gets that hungry face and it's time to, it's time to put a cheeseburger in there because she's pregnant. <laughs> Sorry, I needed that, not you. But, um, but one of the privileges of being the father is like, hey, I got you. We can fix this. We can do this. I got you. You're my child. I'm going to take care of you. I understand you dropped your blankie. I can handle that. Let me get that for you. And God wants you to understand the same thing. He wants to be friends. But he also wants to be somebody who 
can pick up your blankie and take care of you and meet your need and make sure you have what you, because you're his child and he cares. Amen? Children get extra privileges that friends don't. I think about my daughter when it comes to mealtime. You're on your own as my friend. Like, hey, order your own pizza. Get your own wings. Like, but I plan ahead for her. I think in advance for her. God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. Why? Because he's your father and he cares about everything in your life. We dwell, Caroline dwells in, in my relationship. She exists in my relationship with her. And some people give their daughters away. I will not. But, uh, but eventually at some time you open the gate. Again, I'm not. Like, that's ridiculous. But... I mean, you think I'm kidding, but really, I am the Rapunzel mom who's like, the outside world is evil. (laughs) Like, no, it's terrible. (laughs) What stars? There's no stars out there on your... If you've never seen Tangled, shame on you. You should come to my house. It plays about four times a day. So (laughs) why don't you stand to your feet? I want you to hear this last part. God, with you as his child, God is not afraid of your messes. There are things <laughs> that I've experienced as a dad <laughs> that if you would have told me I was going to put up with that or touch that or clean that up a couple years ago, <laughs> I was like, no way. But I do it without even thinking about it. Why? Because it's what needs to be done. I care about her. God is not scared of any of your messes. God, I can't come to you. I can't think of you as a friend. I can't think of you as my father because I have this thing in my life that's too messy. And I'm not, when I get cleaned up, then I'll come to you and then I'll, no. I spend quite a bit of time sitting around the toilet cheering on some pee-pee right now. (laughs) And I think God is doing the same thing. Like, hey, let's get this going. Let's get this cleaned up. Let's get this right. Because I want you to be better and go on to the next thing that's better. Right? Amen? Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. If you're in here this morning and you say, hey, I've never given a relationship with God much thought. Or maybe you did. You used to be a Christ follower. You used to go to church and maybe you've stepped away. But here this morning, you're saying, man, in my heart, I feel that it's time to pursue God again. It's time to jump into these levels or relationships with God that you were talking about. The cool thing is you're in a room full of people that love you and are cheering for you. And you have a God, as I just shared, who can't wait to kind of help clean you up, put you in the right position and get you moving forward onto the next best thing. So what I want to do is I want to offer, I want to offer a prayer to you prayer of salvation, or some people would call it the sinner's prayer. But it's like this. If you're in here and you say, hey, that's me. I want to get right with God. I want to start a relationship with God right where you are. I'm not going to have you come forward. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you. But right where you are, I'll have you raise your hand when I count to three. And then I'm going to pray a prayer from up here that we're all going to pray. And all you'll do is repeat after me and we're all going to pray it together. But it's about God seeing you raise your hand. It's about God seeing you say, hey, That's me. I want to choose a relationship with you today. And then you start in those levels. 
you move from a seeker and then maybe you jump into serving and a friendship with God and then the understanding of God as your father. But today I want to offer that, that invitation to you. If you're in here with nobody looking around and you'll pray right where you are, all of us as a group. But if you're in here and you want to pray that prayer with us, when I count to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you in here. Okay, see those hands. Anybody else? See that hand back there? Anybody else? It's a good time to jump in. You can put your hands down. It's a good time to jump in. If you feel that tugging of, man, that is me. Just shoot your hand up. You can jump in on this prayer. Awesome. So here's what we're going to do. The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, basically you'll be on your way to heaven. I'm paraphrasing, but well, that's what we're going to do as a group. We're going to choose to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. It's the beginning of an incredible journey. So let's all do this together. Let's all say this out loud. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name.